Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Michael Zuber, and this is, of course, Greg Dickerson. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic, Michael. How about you? I'm doing very well, man. So really excited for our three topics today, folks. If you don't know, uh, I am lucky enough to be joined by six multimillionaires every week, Sunday through Friday. And what we do is we tackle three unique topics in about 10 to 12 minutes. And today we're going to start it off hot with uh, Robert Schiller. So uh, Greg, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, uh, Robert Schiller is out there from the Case Schiller Index. If you don't know who he is, he's, he's uh, uh, I was going to say an Academy Award winner. That's not right. He won. <laughs> he won that's a- That's Rod uh, Schilling, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on what he went. He, he won a, a strategic, a, blah, I can't talk this morning. He won an award as an economist and Nobel um, Prize, Nobel, Nobel Prize, Prize. award-winning award economist, Yale economics professor, yes. and um, you know the, the famous Schiller Housing Index. Thank you for that. You bailed me out. My brain was not working this morning. But anyways, he was quoted as saying that the housing market is the wild, wild west, right? That's a lot of the news media is picking up on that. But what I picked up from his article as an investor that's doing this 20 years is he pegged the market like 2003. And a lot of mm -hmm. our followers weren't doing this back in 03. And, you know, I thought you and I should talk about, you know, what does that mean, right? If the housing market today is like 03, what does that mean? So Greg, did you see that? What do you, what do you think? What, what do you got? Yeah, I saw the article and it's, it's um, you know, it's really interesting. So if we go back, um, you know, pre-2009 crisis, 04, 05 was the peak of the market. So um, you know, there were there were ups and downs and peaks and valleys prior to the 90s and 2000s. But if everybody remembers the early 1990s, the housing market was not so healthy. We were oversupplied. Developers were having to do all kinds of incentivized programs to get people to buy houses. Interest rates were high. They were up almost, you know, just below 10 percent. And I bought my first house that I lived in year round in 1990. And we bought on what was called a three, two, one buy down where the interest rate started at, you know, nine or uh, started, the interest rates were around nine, 10%, but it started at seven and three quarters. Then the following year would go to eight and three quarters and the following year would go to nine and three quarters because the thinking was your income was gonna rise um, as you lived in the house for a few years. We were first time home buyers, didn't make a lot of money combined. Probably, you know, my wife and I at the time, our income combined was less than 50 grand a year, mm. but the house was $125,000 house. So um, that's where I started. And that market didn't get better until the, you know, until later into the 90s. So we ended up selling that house in 1995, five years later, when we moved to another part of, uh, of, the, of the state for a job. I was working in restaurants at the time. Um, it, it took six months to sell the house. And we sold it for about what we had in it. Uh, you know, we oh. paid 125, 134, something like that. And we sold it for about that. Hmm. And um, fast forward to 1997, we moved to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. We had another house in Asheville, North Carolina. Again, it took a long time for that house to sell. The market was still kind of sluggish. We get to the Outer Banks in 97 and everything um, was off to the races from that point on. But um, what we saw then was that that little bit of an issue in, in, the, in the early to mid 90s, oversupply was your problem. It kind of started tapering towards the late 90s into the 2000s. Mm -hmm. And then we were on a bull run again. We'd gone through the dot-com, you know, boom and bust. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we started getting into easy monetary policy. And the difference, again, that we go back to the last time was the subprime lending. And it wasn't just um, low-income borrowers, subprime lending, 
were uh, was lending to investors that would otherwise not qualify for a loan. No income verification, no documentation. You just had to have a good credit score. And even then, it didn't have to be so good. 650, mm-hmm. you could get almost anything. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, that subprime lending drove um, the values of housing because everybody was buying and flipping houses, buying investment houses, vacation homes, getting into more house than they can afford mm-hmm. because they held these, these exotic negative amortization loans yeah. so that you could get a, a loan below um, the average interest rate and then they would add it to the back of the loan. So a lot of really crazy things that were going on yeah. that drove the peak of that market 0405, if you remember. And I did a lot of writing back then about the housing market. And I said, look, as soon as interest rates get back to 5%, they were sub 5% at the time mm-hmm. because the economy wasn't great. The Fed had to lower rates to spur housing market. Um, as soon as we got back over 5%, it would tank the market. Sure enough, 0405, we started hitting 5%, five and three quarters. The market shut off like a faucet. We went through a little correction and then um, all of a sudden they came out again, 0809. Well, 0607, things started rolling up again into that 0809. And mm-hmm. you know, those subprime loans became more and more prevalent. It was e- you know, easier to borrow money. And um, yeah. you know, once they dropped those rates down again, that just kept everything off to the races. And then we know what happened 0708. Yeah, what uh, I remember, what I remember from 03 and why that was such a startling comment is in my market, essentially, if you owned housing in 03. You, you had a couple of really good years, right? I think Fresno, I think it was 03, it might've been 04, was mm-hmm. the number one housing market by appreciation. Like, and I think it was like 24 or 22% or something of that. Yeah. So my, my information is obviously skewed, but that's, that's, that's my experience. So what I remember for being 03 is it was still, it, it was the last year where I would say there was still good lending going on. Right. You had to qualify. Yeah. 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 You know, you had to have some down payment. They were still checking things. The ninja loans, the liar loans, those didn't take that last like 0405, really 05 was just garbage. But 03 was a relatively speaking pretty good lending environment for my my memory. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and 0405 is when, you know, things were peaking and values were up. And that's what he says in his article in terms of the inflation and the prices because uh, interest rates were so low. So interest rates were driven down. That's what drove demand for housing. Mm -hmm. And then you're right. The real exotic loan products didn't start until after 05, I think, because the market started dipping again. They had to get creative. Yes. Right. Because the rates were going up. The the market, housing market started dipping. So they had, you know, these derivatives were created and these subprime Mm -hmm. loans and they were packaging these houses and you know, selling pieces like they would take, you know, 100 houses and carve them up into 10 pieces oh, and package crazy. that as a security. Yeah. So mortgage-backed securities became a thing. Uh, and then that's what drove the market. And then, of course, we know what happened then. And, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, like you and I talk about interest rates all the time and all people time. are, you know, they're in denial. They don't think that interest rates are making a difference in the housing market because of the lack of supply. Mm-hmm. And what's driving demand is the affordability, the cheap mm-hmm. interest rate. So exactly. what's, what's really going on is if you look at, a lot of people may not remember 0405 and all that, and even 0809, but look at what happened in 2017, 2018, when the feds tried to taper. Because yeah, remember, did. we've been on this QE path since 0809. We have not taken the foot off the bre- uh, pedal of QE. Mm-hmm. Um, when rates started dipping up 2017, 2018, uh, or no, it was 2018, 2019, you know, around the end of the year, 2018, going to 2019, rates started dipping up and the housing market shut off like a faucet yeah. and people were freaking out. Rates were driven back down and boom, we've been off to the races ever since. And it's, 
it's really interesting what's going on right now. And what he really talks about in his article that I found, um, you know, really interesting was the, um, you know, the psychology behind it all um, yeah, in terms of, of he, what's he cons- happening. He considers himself, it was in my morning news this morning. He calls himself an expert on emotion driven decisions. Mm-hmm. That's what he, that's what he likes to be known for. And again, yeah, emotions is a big part of investing. I mean, we've seen emotions drive crypto crazy and now, emotions is going to drive it, you know, 50% of the coins will disappear. So Robert Schiller, you know, focusing on emotions and again, emotions mm-hmm. led to the housing rise and housing crash, right? I'm going to, it, housing only goes up. I'm going to buy as much as I can. Oh my God, housing could go down. It's the worst investment ever. People ran away. So again, emotions are something I've been following consumers. I follow because it does, if you can, if you can get the fear, you know, greed and fear, Spectrum, you, you can invest in front of it, in front of that. So it's, it's interesting. Well, he's got a quote here. He says, in real terms, the home prices have never been so high. My data goes back over 100 years. So this is something, said Schiller, co-founder of S&P CoreLogic's Case Schiller Home Price Index. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't think that the whole thing is explained by central bank policy. Uh, he said, there is something about the sociology of markets that's happening. And, it, you know, it's really interesting. And I'll tell you what's, what else is interesting. You mentioned cryptocurrency. And here's something that you'll notice if you follow cryptocurrency. And I've really been studying it. I've been following it for the last few years, but I'm playing with it. I'm in and out, you know, trading the dips and the peaks, you know, because I've been, I'm an opportunistic investor. I'm not a technician. I'm not a trader. I'm not a chart guy. I look at the expert chart analysis from the best in the business out there. And I watch the market, the sociology, psychology, the market, and the fundamentals. I get in at the bottom, get out the top. That's what I did in the 0809 market bottom. I got mm-hmm. it right at the bottom of the stock market, you know, played around yeah. and I've been out ever since because it's been on a bubble. I missed March of 2020 because I, I had no idea that the Fed was going to jump in. I was waiting for that to bottom and yeah. it would have went further. Oh, yeah. And not jumped in. So I missed that one and I didn't want to get on that train, but it's coming again. You know, yeah. the stock market's going to taper and it, it's coming. But crypto, crypto just went through a correction and is going through a big correction right now. What's interesting about that and the same thing happened in the stock market is that the people that are that are long-termers and that are you know riding this thing down and this thing drips down slowly if you remember the stock market crash back in 0809 you know it, it catches you by surprise you're kind of in denial and you're thinking man it can't next thing you know it's down i mean yeah, it just by the dip by the dip <laughs> well it goes like yeah. this you know it kind of floats like a leaf it kind of yeah. floats down and before you know it you're there and it's too late So what's really interesting is that if anybody right now comes out with a bearish opinion of the market, they get stomped on by, you know, people in the cryptocurrencies. And here's the thing about the emotion of investing. Okay. As an investor, and and I'll equate this in terms of real estate, as a real estate investor, flipper, whatever, Mm -hmm. what's the number one rule? Never fall in love with the property. Yes, exactly. Don't get emotional about the property. It's a, it's a, it's a deal, right? Do you get emotional about a stock in, in, in a company? you know, and those types of things. So what's happening is people are emotionally tied to this Bitcoin cryptocurrency thing. And it's almost become their identity and this whole hold mindset of it to where they're not even open to anybody else's analysis or opinion. So they get blinded by it, which is a phase of the market decline where they're in anxiety and denial, where they don't even want to hear it. And that's the most dangerous place to be. The most dangerous thing is to think you know, and you don't. Yeah, that's what's dangerous. And to where you're in such denial, you block out any objective Mm -hmm. viewpoint from anywhere else. So you're going to miss opportunities. And that's where a lot of people are right now. They're not even open to, again, what I always say, just like going back to Robert Kiyosaki, it's not, I can't, it's how can I, 
When you look at markets and when you look at investments, the first thing you should look at is not it won't, how will it? Mm. Instead of saying it won't crash, it won't go down any further. And it's going to go to, you know, like people are projecting these big numbers on cryptocurrencies of like $350,000 in the next six months by the end of the year. So instead of saying it is, how is that possible? Instead of saying it can't go down, how can it? And then that way you can accurately assess the risk that you're taking and Mm. then make sure that you can overcome and handle that risk. So people that are out there living on those um, earnings that they've had in this boom parabolic boom that we've had, if it goes down and stays down, can you handle that? And that's what you really need to look at and make sure that, you know, if you need cash for college or this or that, man, take it, get that set aside and then write out the rest. But people just get so emotional about it. They can't even see prudence. Yeah. I've actually talked about it, you know, because again, I experienced it myself with the dot-com craze. It's just a different widget today, coins versus dot-com. And again, it's, it's like fear of missing out, then beginner's luck, then leverage and poof, it's gone, right? Uh, the last crash, I think last Thursday, I think, I don't know if we talked about it, but 831,000 crypto accounts were margin called and taken to zero. Yeah, that's well, just- margin. Yeah, that's just, that's just crazy. And I know people were, you know, um, levering up hundred to one and some major oh. crypto influencers out there were promoting that, crazy. telling people, hey, go over here, use my link and you can lever up hundred to one. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, now here's another place where I saw it. Now these people turned out to be correct now, mm-hmm. but back in 0405, when the market was correcting real estate mm-hmm. and, um, you know, going into 0809, a lot of people were in denial. And the one thing I heard when I was buying property, um, cause I was chasing the market down and as values were dropping, I was making offers on land appropriate yeah. to the market because it was here and it was, you know, well, they said, ah, it'll be worth twice as much in 10 years. And I'm like, Hey, Everybody said that in 0809 <laughs> and it went down. And I bought a lot of property, you know, two, three, four, five years later. Uh, I still get phone calls today from, you know, marketing I did several years ago. Um, and I paid, you know, half as much for the land as that they could have sold it for, you know, but now we're back, you know, right. so they were actually maybe right. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's really kind of funny. Yeah. The, the key in that statement is if you have a long enough hold horizon, you can, you can outhold a bear market. I think that's what that is. Assuming mm-hmm. it doesn't go to zero. I'm on record as of this morning that 50% of these coins that are out there just being created out of nothing with no use cases will go to zero by the end of the year. I think well, a lot of those are junk. A lot of them are scams. A lot of them are junk. So you got to be real careful there. But there are some really great technologies. There's yeah. really great projects that are being built on the back of the technology. Do the work. You know, yep. Bitcoin is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It is a um, it's a digital gold. It's a store of value. It's not a currency. It'll never become never a, currency. Be a currency. And here's a tagline for your video today. The Fed is into CBD now, yeah. right? CBDC, central bank digital currency. So they're creating their own currency. China's creating their own currency. So digital currency is real. It's coming. It's coming. Blockchain is a real thing, real technology. A lot of people just don't understand it. Um, But the central banks are not going away. No. You know, and, you know, if you think a third party decentralized currency is going to take over and take root, and a lot of people, you know, when you say that, they'll hate on you. Mm. But it's just the governments aren't going to let that happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there's still a long way to go, but yeah, you got to be real careful with what you're investing in out there. And, um, you know, if you're nimble enough, and you know how to set limit orders and stop losses, you can trade in and out of these dips and it's going to do this for a little bit until it goes, you know, off yeah. the cliff and, and then it'll come back, you know, yeah. so it's just cycles. Yeah, it's just cycles. Well, folks, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, pay attention for episode number two and three with Mr. Greg Dickerson. Thank you, sir.